definitely present yourself out there, put your best foot forward and just take baby steps. I think one of the one of the things that prevented me was just moving in fear, feeling like, you know, because I didn't have the schooling, the accolades. And over a year, look at all the things that I've kind of accomplished under my brand and just imagine for the next five years what other goals and ventures I'm going to be on. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your business? Then welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast, helping home professionals and luxury brands accelerate their success with proven marketing strategies and expert industry practices. Now, here's your host, Darla Powell. This podcast is brought to you by Wingnut Social, a digital marketing agency amplifying luxury brands across the United States and Canada. For more information, go to wingnutsocial.com. Hey there, welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I am your host, the Grand High Poobah of everything here at Wingnut Social, Darla Powell. And today we're talking all about, do you need to have an interior design degree to have an interior design firm? Well, you know, there's lots of schools of thought on that, but today's guest, the special and amazing K.D. Reed of K.D. Reed Interiors is going to tell us his thoughts and his experience. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. So before I get into that conversation, we have some housekeeping. So tomorrow, February the 24th, 2022, at 11 a.m., Linda Holt of lindaholt.com and I will be going over how to take magazine-worthy smartphone photos. And when I say Linda Holt and I, I mean Linda Holt will be. (laughs) I'm there, I'm hosting, I'm questioning her, but she has the hard work. She is going to talk you through and share clear, actionable steps to immediately improve your smartphone images. You're going to learn how to use your smartphone more like a digital camera and the best way to get those stunning shots for your social media marketing, for your marketing in general, and she even says for your design portfolio. I'm not kidding. That's a thing. And Linda Holt is going to have all of that information for you. To find out more, head on over to wingnutsocial.com slash podcast. The link will be in the show notes for this episode, or you can follow us on Instagram at wingnutsocial, and the link is in the bio and all over the feed there. So we're looking forward to seeing you. It is a pretty popular webinar so far. A ton of people have signed up, so get in there before it fills up. There is a limit there for Zoom, so we don't want you to miss out. All right, that's it for that housekeeping. Now... Y'all know what time it is. It's time for Mini News, Mini News Sesh. Yeah! Okay, on this week's Mini News Sesh, I'm excited to announce that we're joined by brand new wingnut Alicia McAfee, social media manager over at Wingnut Social. Alicia, how the hell are you? Welcome. Thank you. I'm good. I'm super excited to be here. So... Here I am. (laughs) And we're super excited to have you. And today we're talking all about Instagram stories. It seems like we're very Instagram heavy, but of course, that's the most impactful channel so far for interior designers. But Instagram is changing up the way that we can respond to stories. What you got? Yeah. So before, when we were responding to stories, we were reacting and sending emojis to people's DMs. Now, as of yesterday, February 14th, 2022, Instagram has started rolling out liking stories. So basically, when you're watching someone's story, there should be a little heart in between the send message and the little airplane at the bottom of the screen. 
And so if you just tap the little heart, you're going to like their story and no one else can see it except for them. And it does not go to their DMs. So it's not cluttering up the DMs and it's just letting someone know that you're liking their story, which is really great. Oh, okay. I like that. I like that a lot. So you don't have a whole bunch of little heart emojis in your DMs and it's, or the little sign that's saying, hey, you have a million DMs holding. You can just go in there, swipe up on the story where all the metrics live and see who's seen it, who's liked it, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. I think this is long overdue. It's definitely going to clear up some of the clutter in in the DMs for sure. So if someone wants to send a message on that, I assume that's still going to go to the DMs. Yeah, absolutely. So you can still okay. send messages. You can still react with different emojis, even the heart emoji. It just it'll go to the DM. But this one is just a separate way to kind of engage with whoever your story you're viewing. (laughs) (laughs) And how do you think this will affect engagement? What do you think will be the end result? Honestly, I think it's going to be really good for story engagement. And I don't know if you've noticed, but personally, I've kind of seen some engagement going down on stories. And I'm wondering if maybe the fact that they were planning on rolling this new feature out has something to do with it. So hopefully engagement on stories will go back up with this new feature. Do you think part of the engagement issue is that they're really focusing on reels as well? They're really pushing out that feature? Probably. I do know that they are really pushing that out and they're trying to make Instagram become more focused around like video. So possibly, I think there's a lot of push with the reels, but I think that this is just another feature that Whenever Instagram releases a new feature, you should always use it because it's always going to be good for you. I promise. <laughs> that That is 100% true. All right. And there you have it. Alicia, great job. Thank you. And welcome to the team. Thank you. Many new sesh. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you, Alicia. And welcome to the Wingnut team. We are very happy to have you. Okay. Before I get into my conversation with Katie Reed, let me tell you about the man. Katie Reed has approached interior design with a completely client-focused approach. This, along with his unique personal designs, are just some of the many reasons why he is a truly visual storyteller of his craft. Combining his passion for great design, art, and architecture, he has developed a reputation for crafting beautiful yet functional spaces. All right, seriously, guys, you should check out his work. His uh, 2020 Kingston Design Showhouse Sitting Room Alone. Stunning. We also have posted that over at wingnutsocial.com. And of course, you can see it on his Katie Reed Interiors account as well. But I digress. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Katie Reed to the show. Hey there, Katie Reed. Welcome to the show. How the hell are you? I am doing well. Today is a fabulous day. The day after Valentine's, I'm over here in New Jersey with the cold, frigid weather. <laughs> so today is, we got the sun out today and I'm feeling light and bright. We're finally getting some vitamin D in the weather. I just moved up here from, from Miami and I'm in Maryland. I'm not as far south, uh, north as you in New Jersey, but the snow for me is something to get used to. Are, are you like me or do you, or do you love the winter? My birthday is in December, so I never really have gravitated to enjoy the wintertime (laughs) as much as I've wanted to. So I am definitely not a fan of the winter. (laughs) Well, well said. Well, well, very tactful. (laughs) In the green room, you and I were talking that you and I both have a mutual friend, Marilyn Damore. 
and you just did, um, well, not just did, but I guess with COVID, it kind of seems like it was just, right? The show, the 2020 Kingston show house. And we actually, if you guys go over to Wingnut Social on the Instagram, we shared that your photo for your sitting room. God, how stunning was that? That's amazing. I love it. I love your work. You're very talented. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I actually had the chance to uh, meet with uh, Marilyn Damore and she uh, invited me to participate in that Kingston show house. That was like an amazing opportunity. She's all about building and fostering relationships. And just that experience alone, even kind of sort of after the show house, the connections, the networking opportunities that kind of sort of came along with that even still is, is relevant today. That that's like one of her main goals and is is showing in all her uh, participants as well as vendors. Yeah, I need to have her back on the show. She was a, a guest on the show, I want to say the year before last. That episode will be in the show notes at wingnutsocial.com slash podcast. Anyway, I just wanted to point the listeners in that direction so they could go see your room because stunning, stunning, stunning. I just, I look at it and drool. I have it saved, my inspiration photos for my house. Really, really good stuff. But today, Katie, we're talking all about whether or not you need a formal interior design education to run your own interior design firm. And you're coming from the perspective, or at least the experience, of not having a formal education. So I'm really, really, really interested in digging in and seeing how that informs your design choices, your business choices, how you navigate these huge renovations. And I'm sure that the audience would be interested in hearing that as well. Are you game? I'm totally game. All right, cool. But before we dive in, tell us just a little bit about yourself, how you got into the interior design business, and uh, we'll take it from there. Uh, so a little bit about me. Uh, I graduated from Montclair State University with a degree in sociology. So immediately right at the college, I dived into social work where I was providing like mental health uh, services for the LGBT community. Uh, I've been doing that for about like eight years. And during that time, I was touching on the interior design, but it wasn't really fully. I knew it was something that was inside of me, but I never took it more as a career path. I took it as a, a hobby and I did that with, you know, designing friend spaces, family spaces, you know, I really didn't see it as a lucrative path where I could, you know, sustain myself, as well as my family really didn't support the lifestyle. They didn't really see it as, you know, the creative as, you know, a way to really earn income and sustain yourself. But during that time, I just started kind of sort of just finding myself going in high and lows throughout, you know, you know, with my mental capacity, just not fully getting to release that creative burst. And I, this one, Craigslist, was really popular at the time. And I uh, was looking on Craigslist, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to just try it. Let's just see how it goes. And I just started doing internships. So I had like a few little internships throughout the city. But I would say when I came across Descartes Design, that interior design firm, which is located in Soho, is a woman-led uh, interior design firm where they focus on a lot of hospitality and commercial projects. So that was like my first major interior design perspective like into the world into the world of interior design which was really amazing because like i remember just like during my interview i was sitting there and i was just so i was like oh my gosh this is holland and sherry this is zach and fox this is philip jeffries and i was just astonished at myself to kind of sort of just recognize and know those brands so that kind of sort of like intrigued them to be like okay he definitely has an eye and these and these were things that i just self-taught myself uh i was subscribed to every magazine even though i 
wasn't a trade at the time. Any company that was sending out free samples, I was just having so that way I could have things tangible, so that way I could fill or see what it is, uh, see fill the product, so that's realistic to me. So working with the, uh, those ladies at uh, Descartes Design. You know, at first I was going to be thinking I was going to be doing intro tasks as far as like, you know, returning samples, but they saw that I had a, a design aesthetic, a tasteful eye, and they immediately put me on to projects. So they gave me the real life experience to, you know, really learn hands on. So this is great. And you know what I love about this, Katie, is I get a lot of emails because I'm a self-taught interior designer, but you're way more advanced than I am because you interned and you or you worked for another design firm where you could actually get on the job training. But I have designers reaching out to me saying, what would you do? Would you recommend going to school? And, I, you know, of course, I'm always going to, I'm not against going to school. You should go to school if you can go to school. You went to school, but not for interior design. But if you're not going to do that, Go into go work with another designer to get that experience. Would you say that that is an absolute must to to someone listening out there who wants to to follow in this path? I agree because one of the things that I've learned from working with other designers is yes, they teach you the technical skills, but when it comes to having those mistakes or experiences that come up right then and there, you know, a book can't teach you anything. You have to have that that those tactical, you know problematic solving skills that has to be at the moment. So you can't refer back to a book or those teachings. But, you know, one of the things that that I think was really essential to me was asking questions and asking them how. One of the things that I I really understood was, yes, I I see how interior designers, you know, bring in money for us, you know, to sustain themselves. But when it comes to like sustaining the business and employing people, how are they, you know, bringing in those incomes to sustain themselves? And I think that was one of the, the biggest biggest takeaways from working with some of these companies is they was teaching me how to to actually run a business. And I think those are the kind of sort of lessons that you're not taught in school. Yeah. And that's what I hear. And I think that might be changing some in the curriculum, but the interior designers who are formally trained, they aren't getting the business aspect of it. And I will tell you that if you learn the business aspect the way you did, you saved yourself a whole hell of a lot of money making mistake, <laughs> mistakes. Correct. I, yeah. Because I spent a lot of money with some of the mistakes, you know, you learning the hard way. And if you're like most people, I think, I mean, there's some people that aren't, you can read there. You can read things in black and white, or you could have the design talent, but short of actually going in there out there and getting your hands dirty, you don't retain it. You don't learn. So that's, I, that's a really smart way to go. Have you had any issues at all with clients or potential clients saying, Hey, can I see your NCIDQ or can I see your design certification? Not necessarily. I'm I'm always transparent when it comes to my process and my my background, you know, and I always have references and previous clients that can speak to, you know, working with me. And I tell them to keep it transparent. You know, there have been customers with clients where, you know, we have bumped heads, but at the end of the day, you know, we have made sure that the design goals are met and achieved at the end of the process. Okay, so we have a, a young Katie Reed, right? He's working at Daycar, and you decide to break out on your own. What does that look like? So, so that wasn't actually my first breakout. So, I act, after after uh, working with Daycar, I you know started navigating and learning the landscape as far as networking with other interior designers, resources, and I actually had a chance to meet Mikel Welch. Uh, so Mikel actually transported from, he was a Chicago native and he was actually moving to NYC. And one of his first uh, designer projects was a Harlem restaurant called B Squared. And I actually 
was looking to expand, you know, my skills and I started working with him. So that actually, that one little starter project actually ended up with me working with him for five years. Wow. So as a, as a lead designer or what capacity? Correct. So at, at first I was just like his design assistant and then I transitioned to project manager and then I was his lead designer for a lot of the projects. So he gave me the hands-on experience where I was actually able to learn about other paths in interior design other than traditional residential and commercial projects. So uh, under his branch, I actually got to do a little TV work, a little bit of set design, uh, working on those. I actually got to do a lot of staging uh, virtual merchandising along his side. So we did a few AMB projects. So he was really versatile in his brand and he kind of sort of let me take on a lot of the projects and responsibilities, but it was really good because I actually got to learn a lot of the administrative part as far as budgeting, you know, every keeping track of receipts, you know, doing taxes. So, but working with him was really instrumental as far as giving me the confidence to actually take on projects by myself. Uh, when he would send me like details for a project and I would have to go do them by myself, you know, at first I was a little, a little hesitant, but he gave me the tools and the resources to say, hey, I definitely can handle this. And that gravitated me to right before the pandemic. So right before the pandemic happened, when everything started like shutting down and things slowed down for work with everyone, I had a reach out of, of, a lot of professionals in my network who wanted to carve out their home office. And that's what drove me into starting my own business. Uh, in lieu of uh, the whole Black Lives Matter thing that happened. So during that time, there was a presence of emerging black artists, black products, you know, just things in the interior design industry that I really didn't knew was prevalent. Uh, so I began networking and just reaching out to some of those people who are viewed as successful gave me some advice. And that's what kind of sort of led to Katie Reed Interiors. I love it. And so what would you say to that designer out there that's listening who's like, okay, Mikel Welsh, <laughs> you know, Descartes design firm, these are some pretty heavy hitters. What if I don't have that kind of networking juice behind me? How do you even get started to make those connections to get that kind of on the job training? I would say uh, there's several things. Uh, I think social media is a huge, huge advantage that designers today uh, can definitely take advantage of. I would say if you start by doing your own space, I would say if you have like a blank wall, a little area where you can change up, switch out. I mean, one of the things that I've learned is just if you don't really have the whole portfolio, then you can create one once it's put in front of the right people's eyes. And you got to sort of put yourself in those positions to be available as well, because there's tons of networking events going on in the industry where you can have no experience, but it just by being present and networking and just putting yourself out there is all about taking huge risks. Wingnut Social is now accepting full-service clients for social media management. If you are overwhelmed and don't know what, when, where, or why to post, or even if you're just too damn busy and don't want to spend your precious $300 an hour design time on Facebook and Instagram posting ineffective content, then head on over to wingnutsocial.com. Hiring Wingnut Social is a no-brainer, and I'll tell you why. Because you're going to have your very own digital marketing team for your firm without the payroll taxes, the workers' comp, the health insurance, the 401ks, the sick days, or the drama 
or the headaches. And we are the very best at what we do. And that is no joke. You can go check out the reviews, wingnutsocial.com, real marketing, real results, wingnutsocial.com. All right. So right now, Katie, you're doing some some pretty sizable renovations, right? Are you are you partnering with architects and general contractors to inform the decisions in that regard? Or how do you navigate that landscape? Most definitely. I, I think that that is always key when it comes to working with big projects, but definitely knowing how to delegate. There are ways that I can recognize my strength, but things that I'm not fully savvy on, I definitely bring in the expert professionals and that's what you pay for. I mean, you definitely want to pay for it because you don't want to have mistakes uh, and go back to that because mistakes are costly. So when it comes to you know, before ordering, before cutting, you know, I make sure that they have there's a second or third pair of eyes crossing the T's, dotting the I's, and just looking over documents so that way we are going into this fully confident and knowing how to kind of sort of assess the project, the situation, the overall budget, you know, realistic timelines, uh, because it's going to be so many different mo- multiple moving parts. And you definitely have to have the eyes to overhead everything. Do, what does your team look like now? How many people do you have on your team? I would say I have two people that is currently on my team. I have a design assistant, and then I have someone that is uh, managing the finances. I would say last year did everything myself, and I, I really spread myself thin. I think as a new entrepreneur, you, I had this idea of perfectionism and what I want my brand to look like. Uh, but once I really started just speaking to other people, going to different like business camps, uh, one of the best things I had the opportunity was was speaking with uh, Gail Doby, uh, and I, she is amazing. So I actually got to just speak realistic. Uh, and transparent with her to give me some advice on to how to navigate the next steps where I want to take my brand and really focusing on the creative aspect. Part of it is what I wanted to focus on. And the finances, I think that was something that I wanted to not focus on so much fully, but I needed to have to bring in someone that I can trust to be able to, you know, sign in my presence. I'm excuse me, sign in my absence. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Or sign in your presence. Hey, here you go. Sign. (laughs) Now, now, now do they have a formal education? Your, your designers? Uh, not uh, the accounting. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> the other ones, the, the right. my design assistants, no. They had experience with working in showrooms. Okay. So they weren't, weren't formally trained in interior design, but they just reached out to me and I saw that their passion, I saw their drive. I tried them on a few projects and they more than impressed me as far as like their availability, their uh, eagerness, the just the manner and the profession of delivering these goals needed to be met. Okay, so it's possible. So if you're out there and you're listening and you're like, oh, I'd like to work for a successful interior design firm, but I don't have a formal education, Katie's hiring, right? <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. Okay, so let's get over to the marketing strategy for your firm. So you did touch upon social media. So is that how you first started getting your name out there, networking and getting found by the the Marilyn Demores and the Mikkel Welshes of the world? Or how did you how did you start that fire? I would say uh, Instagram is really, really big if you're an interior designer. Once again, it's your, it's an extension of your website. It's a reflection of your brand. People should be able to go there and get a sense of who you are. What can you really accomplish? What is your scope of work? What is your design aesthetic? They can really put a whole frame uh, together and really just get a depiction of who you are and your brand just from Instagram alone. But there's 
tons of other ways that you can get yourself out there as far as like YouTube. There's tons of uh, tons of video blogs. Even with the podcast nowadays, like if people really don't have the hands-on experience, I know just listening to pros and cons or uh, I love hearing about like renovation rehabs, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, disasters, <laughs> you know, how people have had crazy situations from busted pipes and how they've overcome those situations. And I think that those are always good for me to reflect mm-hmm. back on and to always circle back to because those are always tools that I always use to sharpen you know, my skills. And I'm glad that you said that because I started my design career after listening to Luann Nigerza Well Design Business podcast for two years. And she's not more like, how do you design or anything, but it's about the business of design, which is you know what we strive for here. And I loved everything I was learning. And I was like, oh my God, I had no idea that you could take the this talent that I love to do and actually make money, <laughs> have a business from it. So yeah, it, um, hats off to you. So if you're out there and you're thinking about running an interior design business, just keep tuning into all these podcasts. Mine, there's Luann Naguera, there's Marianne Cherico, there's Michelle Williams, Profit is a Choice. There's just so many. Just Google interior design podcast. We'll all pop up. So how did you get your talent, right? Because interior design is more than just project management. It's more than what you've learned here, but you have to have an innate talent. You have to have an eye to create the kind of design that you create. Where do you think that comes from? I would have to say that would come from my mom. My mom is a preschool teacher, so she definitely is all about creatively expressing yourself, uh, not really giving yourself limitations. And when I was growing up, I really wasn't sure what interior design was at the time that I was doing it. So when I was painting my room uh, a million colors every month, (laughs) or I remember when I was younger, I was painting like stars and moons on on my ceiling and my walls were blue. And then the springtime, we were paint them like green and I was doing stripes. So that creative uh, freedom that she allowed, allowed me to own my talents and to, you know, be proud of them and to showcase them and share them with the world. So I think that's one story that unites us, uh, a lot of us as interior designers, is that when we were growing up as kids, we were decorating our bedrooms like over and over and over and over and over again. I did the same thing and you'll hear designers get interviewed and that seems to be a common thread. I love it. I love it a lot. Was your mom really into interior design? Did she do a lot of decorating in her house as well? I would say most of my aunt's. I remember, I remember just always going, being, being excited to always go over my aunt house and she would have something new. I remember she was one of the first ones to introduce me to Ikea. And <laughs> I remember when I was younger, like that was like my first time really kind of sort of recognizing being in a furniture store. And I was like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, forget the cake, cake and ice cream. This is like a candy store to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to sit, um, I used to, gosh, this is a little embarrassing, but I'll tell you, this is probably why I love sweets right now, but I used to sit and look at our art and antiques magazine and sit and eat sweets while I was reading. <laughs> Katie Reed, what do you see next for you in the future as you're growing here? Well, for the new year, I really just started plotting out what I want my design goals to look like and what, what I really want to forecast for my business. And one of the things that I really loved over the, the past year is really working with brands. So I want to circle back to something as well okay. uh, in regards to education. So I'm totally, totally for educating. I yeah, think as same. a designer, it's, it's always about educating yourself because there's always something new and ever learning on the market. So 
currently I am uh, in school with the Parsons Yellow Brick program. It's a product design course, and that's tying into where I want to take my business. One of the ideas with the whole Yellow Brick design course is really just bringing one of my ideas into fruition, and that's with the whole product design course. One of my strengths is working with home accessories, styling, home decor products. That's kind of sort of like I love the tangible items. They're like the jewelry of the space. They're like the final pieces. When you put on your outfit, I think of home decor accessories like your jewelry, your eyeglasses, like your, your necklace. And what I want to do is I'm looking to start my own home accessory line or collaborate with brands. So that's where next I'm looking to dive into. Okay, cool. Well, if you need help with the social media marketing agency to help get that out there, let me know because I know one. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds great. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Katie, is there anything I forgot to ask you that you think that that designer out there needs to hear before we get into the what up wing that round? I would just say to any any new designer out there who's really looking to break into the industry is to don't wait till you have this. Don't wait till you have that. Just go ahead and just start start with your own space to just get yourself out there. You never know what eyes may come across your page. You never know who may you may inspire. But each person is going to have their own style, their own brand, and their own personality. So definitely present yourself out there, put your best foot forward, and just take baby steps. I think one of the one of the things that prevented me uh, in the past was just was just moving in fear, feeling like you know because I didn't have the schooling, the accolades, you know. And over a year, look at kind of sort of all the things that I've kind of accomplished under my brand, and I, I can just imagine for the next five years what other you know, goals and ventures I'm going to be on. Yeah, I, I say only great things for you, Katie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank All right. you. Well, now I have to ask you if you're ready for the What Up Wingnut round. Yes, I am. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? I think the hashtag on my tombstone would be the butterfly that finally emerged from the cocoon. That's a long one, but a beautiful one. I love it. <laughs> what? Okay, you're stuck on a deserted island, but you can have your one favorite food forever now. What's it going to be? It would be French toast. Oh, good one. I love French toast. That's, that's, I love it. You want to have bacon and eggs with that or no? I'll let you. The bacon on the side. Okay, good, good, good. Last but not least, please recommend a book that has had an effect on you either personally or professionally. I and I actually have it right here on standby. I would have to say uh, Dapper Dan Made in Harlem, a memoir. This book was really pivotal to me and my career path. Uh, Dapper Dan, he comes is a black man from an urban neighborhood up in Harlem, and just reading about his journey, how he persevered through so many different trials where he had limitations, but he didn't see the limitations to start his brand. Uh, and a lot of the things that he did was just inspirational uh, for our culture. I love it. Thank, thanks for that suggestion. Katie, please tell the listeners where they can go to find out more about you and your amazing talent. Yeah, you guys can reach me on my website at www.kdreed.com. You can also catch me on Instagram uh, at kdreedinteriors. I love it. Katie, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Look, we got it done. Darla, it was amazing. Thank you for having me. This was tons of fun. We must do this again. Okay, so Katie kind of fell somewhere in the middle there, right? He's not an interior designer who just stepped out of his stoop and said, hey, let me start designing people's spaces. He did take an educational route. 
he went and he interned with other designers, experienced designers who knew what they're doing in the field and he could learn from their mistakes so he didn't make them in the future. So his type of education is real, practical, real world experience. And he's not advocating to just go out there (laughs) with a pretty idea in your head and start working for clients. I think that's super smart. I think that's really smart because there's so many mistakes that you can make. And as he said, really expensive mistakes. And I'm sure that his clients are seeing the results of this in his work because he worked with some heavy, heavy hitters and he's one himself now. See how that works. And of course, if you're thinking of going to school and you're in that moment, get your interior design degree. It only helps. But I think the main takeaway here is that you can run an interior design firm without having a degree in interior design if you do it the right way. And it's not that he's adverse to going to school. He has a degree. He has a degree in psychology. And I think that's also really important (laughs) to have if you're going to work with clients, especially in a residential side. That can only come in handy. And you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Am I right? I'm right. All right. That's it. Make sure to join us. At the webinar tomorrow, Linda Holt and I, again, how to take smartphone photos so amazing that you set the world on fire (laughs) or something like that. You can head on over to Instagram at Wingnut Social and get all the deets. It's a totally free webinar, and that is going to be February 24th again at 11 a.m. Remember to get out there, get uncomfortable, and be great. We'll see you next week. You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut way. Head on over to wingnutsocial.com to see how we can help you take your business from social mediocre to social media master. Why do I sound like I just fell off of a turnip truck? What the hell? I just fell into a time warp. Guys, these dogs. You know what happens is one word comes in my head, but then another word comes out of my mouth, and they end up kind of blending into crap. What is wrong with my brain? Your butt. Good boy, Mango.